What's up, Rhodes family? Good to be with you today. Welcome to the Rhodes Church. So glad to have all of you watching online, our online community, as well as people right here in the auditorium. We're on our series called Your Story More Than a Post, and we've been talking about it for a few weeks and talking about different characters of the Bible, and the, the purpose of the story is to remind ourselves that just like people in the Bible, our life is much more than a moment or a single event that's happened to us. You know, our journey in life is not about these single snapshots. You know, there's, it's like there's ups and downs. It's kind of like maybe a, a roller coaster. You might, might be able to relate your walk with God kind of like a roller coaster. You know, there's times on the roller coaster you're like, woo! And then there's times you're woo! It's like you're excited. There's the hands-free moments of your life that you're just celebrating and everything's fun and exciting. And there's the moments that you're hanging on for dear life because you don't want to be thrown out. And it's like, how many knows it's like that sometimes in our life? There's times when we're just living high and everything's great. We're woo And there's times we're like, I don't want to let go right now or I might get thrown out. And it's part of our story, and we realize that. And so we've been jockeying through that and talking about different people in the Bible and different characters. And today we're going to start, talk about an individual whose story is about independence. Independence and what it means to live in independence. Have you ever known someone that was called this, or maybe they've called you? Has anybody ever called you a very independent person? Have they ever said, boy, you have a very independent child? You know, in that moment that they say that, you're not sure if they're complimenting you or insulting you. You're not sure if it's a positive or a negative or if it's a strength or a weakness. You're like, independent. What is that? Is that, is that a good thing that I'm an independent person? Is it a bad thing? Well, we want, we want to talk about it a little bit because in our life there comes a point where we begin to question whether we know more than others. And if you're a parent, it comes early in life. It comes early in life. I'm not talking about, you know, with them teenagers. I'm not talking about teenagers. I'm talking about they still have the pacifier in their mouth when they begin to decide whether they know more than you do about their life. You know, there's the time where your kids, you know, at a certain age, you just tell them everything. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, I believe everything that comes out of your mouth is the gospel. And then there comes that time where you tell them something and they go, And you can tell they're trying to decide whether you know what you're talking about or not. It happens. It happens for all of us. It's not just kids. We're talking about us and God. You know, whether we decide whether we know more than God about our lives and what to do. We can make these analogies and comparisons to kids all the time. But guess what? We're all kids compared to God. And so it's a great way for us to relate to how God has to look at me sometimes and go, Chad, really? Again, there's times in parenting moments that I think, okay, kids, when are you going to get this? And I think at times when God's probably saying, Chad, when are you going to get this? How many times do I have to tell you? So that's what we're going to look at today. Let me give you the definition of independence real quick out of Webster so you can see what I'm talking about. Is it a positive or a negative to be independent? Here are the definitions. Not subject to control by others. Self-governing. Is that a positive or a negative? Depends on the context, doesn't it? Not affiliated with a larger controlling unit. Is that a compliment 
or an insult. Depends on how you apply it. Not requiring or relying on something else. Independent. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Depends how you look at it. Not looking to others for opinions or guidance. Is that a good thing? Is that a positive? Is that a compliment? See, here's what I think. Independence is not the issue. I think independence is neutral. What we do with independence determines whether something's good or bad. The freedom that we have, the the freedom to make choices, the freedom to decide for things, that is not the negative. The negative is what we do with that opportunity to choose. Sometimes in parenting, it's easy to begin to think that if we're having behavioral issues, then the solution is more control. Like, well, we've got behavioral issues, so it must be an independence problem. So what I'll do is I'll take away all independence and I'll bring more control. And I understand when they're little, you know, your level of control is greater. But as they get older, the goal is to give them more and more freedom, to make more and more of their own choices, and therefore take more and more responsibility for their own choices. The problem is sometimes in society we have people that want to have the freedom to make choices but don't want to have the responsibility that goes along with that freedom. Or they don't want to deal with the consequences of it. But that's things that we've got to work out as we grow in letting people have freedom in our life. Because God the Father, his heart was never to control us. Our example of parenting the Father in heaven, his desire was never to control you. His desire from the beginning, even looking back at Adam and Eve in the garden, was to give them a choice. You have a choice. Of any of the tree in the garden, you can eat of all of them. Eat of any of the one you want. They all look great. Just don't eat of that one. Which one do they want to eat out of? Why are we the same today as we were thousands of years ago? So this is what happened. The Father wanted us to have independence. He wanted us to have that freedom to choose. It was never his heart to have control. He wanted a love-based relationship. So I want to show a video today just at the very beginning because it sets the tone for our message today of an individual story and their journey, what it was like to make choices and be responsible for those choices. I believe this story will speak to you. It will speak to you maybe watching online. It speaks to myself. It's a little bit of my story as well, but I want you to check this out and see if God ministers to you. Watch the screens. Hi, my name is Tim Pollard, and this is my story. I grew up as a minister's child, went to church every time the door was open, and it was great growing up as a child in that house. Uh, But as I got older, I thought there was a lot more fun outside. Started running around and with the wrong crowd, obviously, trying dope, trying this, trying that. You know, this went on for 10 years, you know, and I got pretty good at playing church. I was still going to church at the time, and I had everybody else fooled, but I didn't have God fooled or myself fooled. You know, it's a miserable time in your life when you uh, try to make everybody else think you're okay, but inside you're dying. It's nothing at all what I had pictured and envisioned in my mind, people having fun with it, because it's no fun. Uh, I was one of those guys that couldn't go out with a casual drink. I I couldn't just have a beer, and, and I would love to just sit down and, and drink a beer and eat a steak at a meal or something, but I couldn't do that. I had way too much, and I didn't know when to say no. I didn't know when to say oh, enough was enough. I met my wife uh, about 23 years ago. She was way out of my league, by the way, and I was not her type. Somehow, some way, 
She stuck it out. And we were pregnant with our first child, and this was kind of my turning point. I said, I can't let my kids grow up and see me this way. God met me right where I was at. He loved me. He brought me back to where I needed to be, put my feet on the rock, and I haven't turned back since. I've really been challenging myself the last couple of years to do more things for him since he's done so much for me. And this year I was uh, challenged myself with being more open and involved instead of just being so complacent and sitting back. And, uh, you know, man, he's given me so many opportunities. And I have never been one that uh, liked to be in the limelight of any kind, but uh, he's given me a lot of opportunities to be up and stand up for him and, and do things for him. And it seems like every time I turn around, there's some another opportunity. And so that's, that's my story. That's where I'm at. Uh, I just thank God and that he has met me and he's not left me. And I, I praise him for that. Amen, amen, amen. What a great story. I know some of you may be able to relate with that story. I know I do in my own life. Powerful story of coming up one way, choosing at some point that I'm, I'm big enough to make my own decisions. And then those decisions having consequences and finding us in places that we didn't think we would end up being. I want to see what the Bible says about that. In Luke chapter 15, if you got your Bibles, your sermon notes, get those out. version Bible app. I didn't give you the normal intro. So if you get your Bibles out, if you would, let's open them up to Luke chapter 15. <laughs> there you go. Happy about the Bible. Luke 15. Let's see how Tim's story relates to a story of an individual in the Bible, which may in turn relate to you, I believe. Now, this is a story that may be familiar to a lot of you. That if you've been in church a while, you've probably heard this story. Uh, but I, and so I intentionally, in this series, avoided this story. I was like, God, I'm not going to talk about this story. That's too used. And he just kept bringing me back to it because I felt like there was things that he wanted to share uh, about this. So we're going to touch on some things in the story, not touch on everything in the story. There's a lot of meat on this bone. We're just going to chew on a little bit of it today. In Luke 15, verse 11, then he said, Jesus talking, a certain man had two sons, two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The younger son. The younger son. I've got two sons. We're talking about the younger son. It doesn't have a name. just says he's the younger son. So we don't have a name for a character. We've got a story. We need a name for the character. I've got to have a name. I, got to have, I can't just say, hey, the younger one said. You know, in your story, a lot of talks about maybe the heading. It'll talk about the prodigal son. This is a story of the prodigal son. But, uh, but it doesn't say his name. I mean, his name wasn't prodigal. You know, he didn't come out of the womb and his mom looked at him and go, hey, we'll call him prodigal. That wasn't his name, obviously. So I said, we got to give him a name. And I like names, you know, in the, in the stories, what we've been doing, they start with the same letter, so they kind of go alliteration. I like that. So I thought, what's a P name we can use for the prodigal? A P name. Like Peter, Paul, you know, they're, okay, we got to come up with a different one. So I went with Percy. <laughs> Percy. So today we're going to talk about prodigal Percy. The younger son. We don't know the older son's name. We're not talking about him today. We can give him a name when we talk about him someday. But today we're just going to talk about Percy. So here's what happens in verse 12. Percy comes to his dad. And he says, hey, dad, I want you to give me the portion of goods that falls to me. That portion is just a word that means his share, his, his part. 
you know, his allotment, if you will, of the goods. That word goods is important. You're going to need that throughout the message. That word is a Greek word that means substance, property, wealth, or riches. Substance, property, wealth, or riches. So he's coming to dad and he said, lad, I want, I want the portion of, portion of your wealth that falls to me. Falls to me is by inheritance. It's mine by right. I have an inheritance company. When a Jewish family, if they had two sons, the Jewish rule would be the oldest son would get two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger son would get one-third. And so Percy's like, I'm only getting one-third. I want to get it now. Okay, so the older son would get two-thirds. We'd get all the, the fixed assets, the land, the property, the house, all of that stuff. The son was just trying to cash out on what he could get, movable property. So he's looking at his, and he says, I, w- I want the portion that comes to me. So it says the father, being a good father, he divided it or he distributed it out of his livelihood. That word livelihood is a word that means life. It comes from the Greek word bios, where we actually get our word biology. So it's like the father literally gave his children out of his life, out of his resources. Everything that he had, he extended them to his kids. I'm going to divide up what I have and I'm going to give it to you. So out of himself, you got to catch what we're going with this, out of himself he gave to his kids. Everything that he gave to his kids came from him. It was his resources, okay? So this is what he's doing. He's dividing them out. Our portion, if you want to relate it to us, our portion is our gifts and talents and resources that are given to us by our heavenly father. Just like the father in this story gave out of himself resources to his kids, our heavenly father has given out of his resources to each and every one of us. All of your gifts and talents and resources that you have at your disposal is a gift from God. He's given them to you, and he's given to each one of you. Every one of you have gifts. Everyone's different, though. Look in Romans chapter 12. It says this, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Having then gifts differing. Everybody's different. Look at your neighbor and say you're different. Just enjoy the moment of being able to say that to them, that they're different. Having then gifts that are differing, differing, different. You're different. You're different. Hey, you know it's okay to be different? I know we know that's the right answer, but in society, do we do we do we do we do we do we do we? Decimal system. Do we really believe that it's okay to be different? I know it's a rhetorical question, but I want you to think about it that you have gifts that are different from the person sitting beside you. They're different. And they're given from God according to the grace that's given to us. In other words, you have a skill set, you have talent, you have resources that are unique to you that are given by God. That's your portion. Your portion. He's given it to you. What are we going to do with it is the question. He gives it to us, but it's our portion. It's our portion of goods. Now look what it says. That word goods, remember, was substance, wealth, or riches. In Ephesians 1.18, it says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches. That word riches is the same Greek word as goods. That you may know the goods of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Here's what God is saying. He said, I want you to know the goods that are available to you in Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and tell him you got the goods. Come on, talk to him. Tell him you got the goods. You got the goods online. Everything that God's asking you to do, you've got the goods. 
I don't think you believe it yet. Tell yourself, I've got the goods. I've got the goods. Everything that God's asked you to do, he's equipped you to do. He just says there's some things you don't know yet. This is what Ephesians is talking about, that you may know the goods that are available to you. Not that he will give you the goods that are available to you, that we will know them, that we'll be aware of them. So this is what happens with Percy. He says, Father, I, you know, I just want the goods. I want everything that you're going to give me. So we realize that we've got the goods. God's given us a portion. He's given us our assignment. But what are we going to do with it? We need to know this, that your potential is a gift from God. What you do with it is your gift back to him. Whatever, whatever God's given you, that's his gift. That's his grace. His cro- I didn't get to say while I was in the womb, yo, God, make sure and give me A, B, C, D, E. I didn't pick it. He picked it for me according to the grace that was given to me. Your potential, everything that you have on the inside of you, that's a gift from God. What you do with that gift is your gift back to him. If you do nothing with it, then you're saying that my gift doesn't matter. I want like that. Because it doesn't say having gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us complain about the gifts that we don't have. Having then gifts according to the grace that is given us, let us compare ourselves against everyone else's and see if ours matters. It doesn't say that. Having then gifts differing. You can want to have somebody else's gift all day long, but you got yours, honey. You got yours, buddy. You got to just embrace it. It's who you are. There's only one you in the world, and if you're not it, then we're missing out. This is what he's saying. I don't like my gift. We'll take it up with God. Here's what I believe, all joking aside, if we don't like our gift, it's because we really don't know it yet. We don't know the riches yet. You you haven't seen the value yet. And it's okay, I haven't seen the full value of mine either. But but when we don't know the riches of our inheritance, the, the goods, we don't have the fullness of it, then we'll begin to complain and say we need what somebody else has. We've we got to move off of that. But that's what Percy's dealing with. So look what happens in verse 13. So father gave his goods to Percy, verse 13, and not many days after that, so he got all of his inheritance, the younger son, Percy, gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Percy chooses in this moment to gather up all this stuff. He packed up all of his belongings, everything that the father had given him, all the resources, all the money, you know, whatever he gave him. I don't know what he gave Percy. He may have given him cash. He may have given him valuable things. I'm not sure, but it's something he could gather up. And look what he says he does with, does with it. He packed him up and began to leave and go to a foreign country. It's not that uncommon in the Middle Eastern time at this time for a, for a young man to go to his father and say, hey, I want my share of the, import, of the inheritance. It's not that uncommon, but there were some restrictions. You had to be able to do it as a rite of passage, and you had to be able to do it with the father's will. The father had to okay it. If the father didn't okay it and you didn't have a just cause to do it, then you could be fined by the leaders of the community and or if you left not on good terms, then they could excommunicate you and not allow you to come back into the community. So he had to go to the father and say, hey, I want my goods, I want it. But what it was problem was, it's like saying to your dad, it's like saying, hey, I wish you were dead already. Because all I want from you is what I can get from you. I don't want relationship with you. I just want what you want to give me. 
I just want your stuff. I don't want you. I know we can complain about Percy, but do we ever do that with God? God, I just want what you will do for me, but I don't want relationship with you. I just want you to bless my life. I, just, I, I know you've given me all these gifts and talents and resources, but Percy wanted the stuff from his father without being under the, the, in the relationship with the father. So it's like us saying to God, I just thank you that you give me all these gifts and talents, but, but I'll, I'll let you know when and where I want to use what you give me. It's like saying to God, I appreciate all the resources you brought into my life, but I'll let you know if I'm going to give any back to you. Just smile. It makes you feel better when you think about it. You know, just think you're talking about something else. I know, God, you've brought me this great job and, and great income, but I'll let you know if I want to give any money back into your kingdom. I'm just saying what Percy had a problem with. He was allowing himself to be the ruler. So he, he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get away from the control of the Father. We can be tempted to think that being under the leadership of the Father is bondage and being outside of there is freedom. Remember what Tim said in his testimony? He was raised up in church, raised this way, but he said, I kept thinking there's something else out there that's going to be more fun. That's what Percy thought. Raised up in this great home, got inheritance, got resources. You know what? I bet I know what to do with my gifts and talents more than my dad does. I'm going to go, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go a journey into a far country. You know, we can either experience the world with God or we can experience it on our own. I found in my own story it's much more pleasant to experience the world in a relationship with God than experience the world outside of a relationship with God. And this is what Percy's finding out. And notice the father lets him go. He just lets him go. He gives him stuff and gives him his stuff and lets him go. Why? Because God's given us free will. He's giving you the freedom. You can do it. Because he understands that his son was going to realize that freedom doesn't come outside of the Father. Freedom only comes within the Father. That he was going to exchange a light, easy yoke for a heavy, burden yoke. He was going to exchange one gracious, loving master for a thousand vicious, vicious tyrants that were going to run his life. Yes. This is what happens when we get outside of God. And this is what he says. So he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. His possessions, he wasted his possessions. That's the same word for riches and goods that we've seen already in the story. He wasted his possessions. So he wasted his goods. He wasted his gifts from the father on prodigal living. What does prodigal living mean? The word prodigal means lacking restraint. means excessive, senseless, reckless living to live without thinking. To live without thinking. Senseless, just reckless doing whatever, but it says he wasted it. And this word's very important, I think, for the story because what happens, we can begin to look at Percy and think that's them, that's somebody else, it's not me. I'm a good person. I'm not Percy. Because we can think prodigal living is going out and blowing all your money on prostitutes and drugs. That's what Percy did. That's what the older brother at the end of the story accuses him of doing not knowing what he did, but he just assumed it was something worse than what he was doing. Oh, I got more time for that, but I got to move on. See, it's easy for us to pick and choose what sins that we think are bad and what things we think are allowable. Yeah. So anyway, so here's where Percy is. He's, he's prodigal living. He wasted it. Here's what the word wasted means. I thought this was so good. The word wasted means to squander, to spread thin or scatter 
gradually vanish to spin foolishly and to no purpose. To spin foolishly and to no purpose. I believe prodigal living is this. Here's how I'm going to break it down. It's living recklessly and senselessly on a bunch of different things with no definite purpose. It's living with no goals. It's living with no strategy. It's living with no purpose in life. It's like saying, God's job is to give us our gifts, but it's my job to decide what I do with it. That's the, the idea of prodigal living. It's to waste it, to live our life with no purpose. What's your purpose? What's your goal? What are you wanting to accomplish? What is God doing in your life? This is prodigal living. Prodigal living is not just the ugliest sin that we can think about. Prodigal living is recklessly trying to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever we want. We're scattered thin. We're using on a bunch of different things, trying to find our purpose, but we don't have a common purpose in our heart. God says you get your purpose from me. Instead of fishing for it a little bit here, a little bit there, giving your heart a little way there, a little way there, all the way we're scattered thin. He's saying, no, prodigal living is when you're living a life with no purpose. And this is what he's trying to do with Percy. So he's beginning, he said, you're wasting it, you're wasting it. So verse 14, go to the next part. So when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. (laughs) And he began to be in want. So he'd spent all of his dad's possession, all of his dad's goods, used up all the money and began to be in want. That word began just means a process. So what happened? In the natural, we could say that Percy spent all of his money and he began to get behind on his bills. He ran out of cash, so he started to get into debt. He started to get in a bind financially. He's like, he can't, can't pay his bills. He can't buy groceries. He's getting in a bind. We can say he began to be in want. And this is what happens when we begin to put ourselves in a place where we're not connected to the Father. Do you realize that you, can, you have to uh, have a relationship with finances, that you have to have income that is greater than your outflow? I know this is a foreign concept to people sometimes in the world, that you cannot spend more than you make. You're not going to flourish in life if you're spending more than you're bringing in. Why are you being so literal about that? Because it is so misunderstood in our own circle that people spend beyond their means. Amen. Amen. So this is what Percy was doing. That's just in the natural. Okay. He's spending. So let's talk in spiritual. He had a relationship with the father, and the father had poured into him and given him resources. But once he disconnected with the father, there was no more input into his spiritual life. And you can only go so long on yesterday's relationship with God. You can only travel so long in your walk with God based on what God told you yesterday. Three months ago, three years ago, ten years ago, people walking around trying to have a fresh relationship with God, and they haven't heard a fresh word from God in four weeks. We've got to have it. This is why he said, let me give you your daily bread. It's when manna came from heaven every day. You get that manna, it's only good for today. You've got to come back and believe me to supply you fresh bread tomorrow. This is what we got to have in our relationship. But Percy had cut off his relationship with God, and he's trying to live on yesterday's relationship with God. And after a while, it runs out. After a while, if you don't have an ongoing, fresh relationship with God, things of God begin to grow dry. You got to have income, you got to have inflow. And this is what happens with Percy. He, he, he begins to be in want, and begins to be in want. And so then what happens? A severe famine 
comes in the land. What is famine? Famine's a scarcity of food. Scarcity of food. So once your relationship with God is kicked off and this, this Bible, his word, this is our food, this is our daily bread. So when I pull out of a relationship with God and his word, when I stop reading his word, I stop feeding on him and I unplug from that relationship, that daily relationship in God's word, guess what? A famine can come into my life and all of a sudden there's a scarcity of food to give me strength spiritually to walk out my relationship with God. Well, how come I'm just not feeling very good? When's the last time you spent some time in your Bible? I really don't have a lot of time for my Bible. My, my schedule is really busy. We don't miss many meals. I mean, it would spend five, six days fasting without food. You don't have to raise your hand because I know it's not happening very often. But how many times will we go five, six days without spending time with God? Well, next Sunday. I'll get that next Sunday. Like, Do you go six days without eating? But we go six days sometimes without eating in our relationship with God and wonder why we're in a weakened state. Began to be in want. That word be in want also means inferior, mediocre, or lower status. Here's what I believe God's saying. That whenever Percy began to unplug from his relationship with God, it led him into an inferior state of living. When we unplug from our relationship with our Father, we're going to live in an inferior state. It's less than your best. It's less than what God wants you to experience in life. We are, we are not at our best when we're not connected to God. When Chad is running the show, I'm in an inferior state than when God is running the show. When I'm calling the shots on how I deal with people, it's an inferior form of dealing with people. When I'm parenting my kids, if I'm not connected to how the Father wants me to do it, it's an inferior way of doing it. If you're not connected to the Father, your relationship with your spouse, it's going to be an inferior relationship. And what happens when we get away from God, he will lead us, it will lead us down to an inferior way of living. And look what happens. Look what happens in the next verse. When we get into an inferior state, less than God's best for our life, verse 15, then he went and joined himself. Everybody say joined. Joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now you've got to know a little bit about swine. To catch this. I was raised in Edwards County, Albion, Illinois, and we loved us some pigs in Albion. We have what we call pork day every year. You got, you know, dairy day in North City and all the different days. We had pork day. We loved our pigs, a lot of pig farmers. So obviously the Jews who did not like pigs, this was like a degree, they were not from Albion. They didn't recognize the beauty of pigs. Like we did. But no, all joking aside, for the Jews, working with pigs was the most degrading thing that they could ever do. They were not allowed to raise pigs. They were not allowed to be around pigs. That's why they don't eat pork to this day. They're not to be anything to do with pigs. They were unclean, right? So now he, when he got in this inferior state, look what happened to him. Here's where we got to be careful. When we get disconnected from God and we start living an inferior life, if we're not careful, we will join ourselves to the wrong people. He got himself in an inferior state, and because he was in an inferior state, his discernment was inferior. His judgment was inferior. I remember one time, speaking of independence, I remember going to my dad and having this conversation about when I thought I was old enough to not have to go to church anymore. And I'd worked myself up. I'd really... 
pump myself up and coach myself up. I'd had arguments in my head, justified myself. Yeah, I'm a man. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time. I'm time to yeah. Do it. So I got up to the nerve and I said, hey, uh, hey Dad, I want to talk to you about something. Okay. Hey, uh, I think uh, I think I'm old enough to uh, to decide some things for myself. It's like, okay. Like what? Well, I just think you know if I, I think I'm old enough. I can just, you know if I if I uh, you know if I uh, you know if I uh, I'm just thinking you know that you know maybe not all the time you know some of the times but I think I I think I'm you know I think I'm in a place in my life you know I think I'm. I'm thinking, I think I've got some understanding. I think, I think you know, but you know, there's certain times, not all the time, but I, I think I, I think, 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 I think I don't have to go to church all the time if I don't want to. Okay, okay. But the reason I'm bringing that up at this point in the story is because at that point in my life, I was not connected to the Father the way I was supposed to be connected. So my idea of my good judgment was tainted by the position I was with the Father. So my independence was not the problem. My dad gave me my independence. He said, all right, okay, big boy. This was older. This wasn't like I was 12. Don't get any ideas, any of my kids. No. And so came to a place where he said, okay, let's see how that works out for you. I could take you on a four-year journey of how that worked out for me. Where I ended up with pigs. Wallering with pigs, joining myself to people I shouldn't have been joined to, but I knew what I thought I could do. I, like Percy, thought I was pretty smart, but I didn't realize that sin will take me places that I never thought I would go, and it would cost me more than I was ever willing to pay. That's where Percy found himself. He's, he's amongst these pigs. And verse 16, he would, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. He, he found himself so desperate. He's so hungry. He's broke. He has no money. And he's literally feeding hogs and cows garbage. It's just trash. It's just husks. They're called pods. It's food that only cattle and, and, uh, and swine would eat. So Percy is eating pods. But this is what happens when you get so desperate, you're willing to do things you never would have done before. So Percy's reached rock bottom. But how many knows this is about your walk with God? Sometimes your darkest moment is right before things begin to turn around. When Percy finally got so desperate that I would eat pods, something's got to change. He looked around him. Look in verse 17. But when he came to himself, came to himself. This is Percy, the son. Percy, the son. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perished with hunger. He came to himself. He remembered in that moment amongst the pods and the pigs, and he says, wait a minute. This is not who I am. 
I remember who I am and I remember whose I am. I remember my father. In that moment, we don't know how long it had been. He could have forgotten about his father. He wasn't thinking about his father. Hadn't father talk, thought about him in a long time. But in that moment, at the rock bottom, all of a sudden, the one who came to his mind was his father. In that moment, he said, wait a minute, I remember who I was. I remember time with my father. And when I was with my father, oh, let me think back. Let me think back. Let, let me think back to my time with my father. Oh, those were good days. Oh, remember, remember when we gave the servants even the scraps from our table. You remember that? Oh, I remember. I remember the clothes I wore. I remember where I was. I remember my daddy talking to me. I remember, remember. And then he opened his eyes and looked at where he is. How many of you have found yourself in a place in life that you looked around and you said, this is not who I am. This is not where I want to stay. He came to himself. And in verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he has this prepared speech, right? Okay, all right. This is not who I am. So now I'm going to go back to my father, but I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to go back to him. I, I've been playing, I've been messing around with the pigs. I've ruined all the resources, everything that God's given me. I've wasted it. So I'm going to go back to my father because remember what I said in the beginning. If a son comes back, in that rebellious state, the community has a right to veto his re-entry into the community and ban him. So he's going with that risk that I'm going to go back and I'm going to face all the people that I've done wrong. And look what he prepares his speech. I've sinned against heaven before you, God. I've sinned against you, against heaven and before you. Speaking about his father. Repentance is good. We need to know where we are. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How many of you have ever prayed this prayer when you're going back to God? I'm just no longer worthy. God, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be. I found myself in a mess. I've screwed up. I've blown it. I've really made a mistake. This is awful, and I'm not even worthy. And so I'm not even going to engage in worship because I'm not worthy. I'm not even going to go back to church because I'm not worthy. People, what are people going to think about me? If I walk in the doors of a church, what are people going to think about me? I'm not worthy to walk in. If I walk into the church, the roof is going to cave in. I can't go back to church. People know who I am. They know what I've done. I'm not worthy to come back. I'm not worthy to go. This is what he said. So he prepares this, this, is what he's going to say. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. I underline the word arose in my Bible because I believe it's relevant to this part of the story. The word arose means to stand up, to rise up in open defiance of authority and overthrow it or act in opposition to its demands. Let me say it again because I'm going to say something here that's very important. To stand up, to rise up in open defiance of authority and overthrow it or act in opposition to its demands. We have to choose to get up from where we are in open defiance and authority and overthrow any feeling that tells me I don't have a right to get up from where I am and go back to the Father. We're going to have feelings that tell us you don't have a right, you don't deserve it, you can't go back, it's too late, you've done too much. But in open defiance, somebody has to have the courage to get up from that place and say, I'm going back to the Father. You're going to have to have rebellious Defiance over the authority of every feeling. I'm telling you, feelings will try and paralyze you and say, you can't. 
You know what you've done. You can't go back now. You've wasted it. It's too late. You spent all you've had. You've blown it. You can't go back. You can't get back with right with God now. You've been back. You went back six or seven times. It's time to quit. He's too late for you. It's open defiance. You've got to get up, stand up, and say, "I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going back." But the devil tried to get you to stay there. He will keep whispering in your ear, "You can't get up. You can't." But you got to get up. You got to get up. So I'm going to tell somebody, "Get up. Get up." Get up from where you are. Get up. you got to rise up. Open defiance to your oh, I don't feel like it, Chad. I just feel miserable. I feel like I'm. I know you feel it. In open defiance to those feelings, get up and go after God. But I, don't I just feel terrible. I, feel, I get it. Repent and walk back to God. I just don't feel like I can do it. I've failed too many times, Chad. I just feel, I just feel so dark. I get what you feel, but at some point... There's got to be that defiance to your feelings. There's got to be that fight in you that says, I'm going to get up and I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm not going to live with the pigs anymore. I'm going to cut off. I've joined to the wrong people, and I'm going to cut it off, and I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm not going to live an inferior life anymore. I'm not going to waller in lowliness. I'm going to come back to the righteous place as a son or daughter of God. I'm not going to compromise my convictions anymore. I'm getting up from where I am. This is what God's saying to us. Get up. Get up and go back. So he comes back and runs to him. Look at verse 20. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. When he's still a great, a great distance away, a great way off, his father saw him. His father saw him. Can I say to someone watching, no matter how far away from God you get, he sees you. Is I see you. Well, you're still a great father. It wasn't that God sees you once you come into the church and get right. Oh, that, now I see you. Okay, then I'm going to pay attention. Well, you're still a great way off. I see you. I see you. I want you. I'm after you. I love you. Great way off. Well, Chad, I need to get my life together, and then I'll start coming to church. No! Come to church with your life a mess. Come to the church with your life all jacked up and join the rest of us. Why? Because we're not looking for our perfection. We're looking to the perfect one, Jesus. And he says, while he's still a far, way far off, I've got to land this plane. He said, he had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Man, there's so much here that I... The son shyly coming back, I'm not worthy. The father barrels through his resistance. <laughs> grabs him, gives him a big bear hug. Mwah, 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 mwah. Oh, that's my boy. Huh? When you come back to God, the flesh will tell you, religion will tell you, you got to ease your way back in. You got to pay a little bit of a penance. You know, you got to work. You got a little probation period. You got to earn your way back into the good graces. My Lord, the good grace of God died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. I don't have to earn anything back. I don't have to earn it back. You come running in, Jesus is like, hey, come here, give me some sugar, boy. That's the way he does you. And I know, I know in ourselves we want to keep the distance until we feel better, but God says you've got to get up out of your feelings and receive. 
because it's not about your end, it's about his end. His intentions, here was the son's intentions. His intentions were, I'm not worthy, let me be a servant. But his intentions were overridden by the father's intentions. So he kissed him, and the son said to him, the son starts into his speech. And the son says, "Uh, Father, remember, it's almost word for word. He starts it out the same way in verse 21. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. So he gets out of the bear hug of his dad. He says, oh, okay, yeah, my speech. He probably had it written on his hand. Uh, Father, uh, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's getting ready to say the next part, which is make me like one of your hired servants. He's getting ready to say that, and his dad interrupts him. The father interrupts him. But the father said to his servants, (laughs) hugs him. The son of father, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I, I make me, hey, servant, bring me, bring the best robe. He's not even talking to his son. He's ignoring him. Because everything that's coming out of his mouth is wah, 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 wah. I don't care what you say. The fact that you're here is all that matters to me. I don't care what all you've got to say. I just want to be with you. So he says to his servants, he's not talking to his son, he says to his servants, hey, bring me a robe, not just any robe, it's the robe, and if you'll study this out, it's the best robe in the house. It's it's the robe of righteousness of Jesus Christ that you're going to take off our filthy garments and put on a robe of righteousness. So so he said, bring the best robe. And then his son, uh, uh, dad, by the way, as I was saying, I'm not worthy. Oh, and, and, and bring a ring. Bring a ring and put on his finger. I mean, why a ring? Just because he likes bling? No, no. It's because it was the signet ring of the family so that he was saying to his son, nobody going to be a servant in my house. You are a son, and I'm putting authority right back into you as a son or a daughter in my life. And so this, oh, yeah, and, and, uh, again, again, dad, dad. Uh, I'm not worthy. Oh, and <laughs> hey, make sure to put some sandals on this boy. Look at his feet. Bring some of them new Air Jordans I've been waiting for, going to give him. They've been bought them for him. His, they're going to look good on him. Proud of him. Look at his feet. I'm going to restore righteousness to him. I'm going to restore him to where the feet are shod with the gospel of peace. I'm going to put him, I'm going to restore his walk with me. <laughs> put, his, put, put him in a great, great place. And he said, uh, Dad, really, I'm, I'm not. Oh, and by the way, bring the, bring the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. The son's intentions was to grovel his way in. The father's intentions is to celebrate your way in. Celebrate you in. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one person who repents. All of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices. But he says in the last verse, he says, look, my son, my son who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. My son, my daughter, was dead. They're now alive. I believe something very powerful when he said to his servants, here's something for the church that I got of this. He said to the servants, as an example, he wasn't talking to his son because I believe it's a message to the servants of God, of an example of how we're supposed to treat a person who's coming back to the Father. 
the son comes groveling back. Instead of the, the servants being ready, they're like, oh, they know what Percy did. Oh, Percy's going to get it now. Percy's going to get it. Come on, whip him, Lord. Whip him, Lord. Come on, you got to beat him, beat him, do something. You got to pay for what he did. So what's going to happen? I just can't wait to see what the father, he's going to chew him out. Oh, it's going to be so good. Hey, servants, bring the robe. Bring the robe. For Percy? Percy doesn't deserve the robe. Percy deserves a beating. Bring the ring. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ease up, Father. You know, he don't don't get the ring. He's got to earn his way back in. It's an example to us. And when someone comes running back to Jesus, it's for us to remember it's the Father's job to determine what they get and what status he gives them. It's our job to welcome them and point them to him and let him take care of their issues. 